Welcome to the Rimfire Tactical Podcast. This is your host, Chris, from RimfireTactical.com, and I'm glad you're here. So it's been a little bit of time since the last episode, and had uh, quite a few things going on, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, as fall is coming on, and uh, finally, we're starting to actually get some fall weather. It's... uh, it's a transition time for myself and a lot of uh, the folks in my area. There's been at least a couple of matches every single month. And actually, take that back. There is a couple of matches each month from March through October that I shoot in. But then another club actually has a uh, match every th- every Thursday. And... Uh, just so happens they do it Thursday nights. That's a bad night for me, so I don't make those matches. But all of the um, the local matches are coming to an end, and some of you guys will laugh at this, especially depending on where you live in in uh, the U.S. but or in the world for that matter. But what's uh, interesting is in my area, it's uh, finally we're into November and hunting season, especially deer season, is starting to ramp up. Archery's been going for some time, but now it's primitive weapons, muzzleloaders, black powder, call it what you want. Uh, In another week or two, uh, rifle season will open. And so a lot of the matches here have uh, had their season finale and are uh, basically shut down until March. And really... Uh, it's it's disappointing because, uh, frankly, I've had so much fun this year. I can't imagine, you know, kind of skipping a match. And so I'm actually working with some fellows right now just to try to put together some informal matches. Uh, you know, something that's along the same lines as what we've been shooting, but um, you know, do it more so on our schedule, so to speak. With, uh, like I said, hunting season being uh, or kicking off and in another week or two, we'll be in full swing, and then uh, that also rolls into Thanksgiving and and on into Christmas. But it's just been an interesting time, interesting transition. I've talked to a number of shooters here recently who are all in um, in kind of that wind down phase and talking about putting away their rim fires and breaking out their muzzle loaders and and their center fire rifles that they plan to. Uh, do some deer hunting with and things like that. And uh, it's just, it's interesting for sure. But hey, a couple things about the previous episodes. Wow, you guys are blowing out of the water. Lots of uh, lots of comments about the previous episodes. We're getting really good feedback. Um, got some other things lined up for you. Uh, we're going to be having a uh, an episode coming up in the next little bit. Um, on 22 ELR. Um, unfortunately, it's uh, I've been the hold up there with my schedule, but we're going to have um, a guest host on talking about uh, shooting 22 ELR, and um, then we'll have some future episodes coming up where I think you're really going to like the the people I have coming on because, um, frankly, I'm I'm stoked. I can't wait. Um, I'd love to actually tell you more about it, but at the same time, um, you know, until, until we can actually get them recorded and everything, we're just not going to really, 
spill the beans just yet, if that makes sense. But it's, uh, I promise it will absolutely be worth your time to listen to those episodes. Now, moving on, I originally had um, planned for a different topic on this podcast, this episode, but I had several conversations over the last couple of weeks, and oddly enough, those conversations um, with different people, different backgrounds, and frankly, different uh, everything from different budgets to just different plans for what they wanted to do with their rifles. But uh, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, that is absolutely something that um, I'm going to cover on the ep- on an episode because over in the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group, um, those of you, if you haven't checked it out, uh, please give us a, a, a visit. Again, the it's facebook.com slash Rimfire Tactical. Um, it's a, it's a, a great group. I'm really proud of the group and how the group has just continued to grow and blossom. And there are dozens of new posts every single day. Not only are there dozens of new posts, there are hundreds of comments getting added daily. Uh, obviously just like anything else, some of the, um, some of the of the posts get more comments and and more traction than others, but there's a lot of of value and a lot of really good content coming out of that group. And like I said, I'm just incredibly proud of the group and how it has grown and just blossomed into uh, a, a really neat um, a neat place to hang out and just check in from time to time and, and see what all is being talked about. Um, but, but back to the subject at hand. So this subject, um, in a roundabout way comes up a lot in the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group. And the subject is, Hey, I'm trying to get started either in NRL 22 or 22 ELR, or I'm just trying to get back into shooting 22s or rimfire. I haven't shot rimfire in a long time and I'm not sure what I should do. And usually the conversation will, will also revolve around a particular brand or two. And, you know, I'm thinking about this rifle or this rifle. And, you know, just to give you an example, because it comes up a lot, I'm thinking about a, maybe a Savage or a CZ, or I'm thinking about a CZ or a Tika, or I'm thinking about an Anschutz or a Voodoo. So, and like I said, there are literally um, hundreds of comparisons I think you can come up with, and they're talked about a lot in the group. So the conversations that I've had have basically all, uh, if you boil them down, they've all had the same basic premise, the same uh, root question, which is, should I just go ahead and spend the money? And uh, I'm sure you've all heard that, that saying of buy once, cry once, or 
should I get a base type rifle and make additions? You know, basically, should I build it or should I buy it? And it's interesting to me because I've been there and done that on both. And uh, I think a lot of us have at this point. But I also think it's interesting with the the feedback that I get and, and the, the conversations that I see take place in the group and the conversations that I, I hear when I'm, I'm at the range. And so I thought I'd do this episode as a way to really drill down and talk about the pros and the cons of going each direction. Now, in the 22 world, I think it is absolutely fair to say that you can buy a Savage or a Marlin, a CZ, a Tika. You can absolutely buy any of those rifles, and I'm sure I'm missing some. Um, Ruger 1022, there's a good one. Uh, the Remington 597. It is absolutely fair and safe to say that you can go out and buy any of those rifles, and you're going to be able to make some upgrades. Now, what are those upgrades? Well, it's going to vary based off the model, but, and when I say it's going to vary, I'm talking about things that we as shooters can do at home. And I realize some people are incredibly talented and have a, a gift for being able to machine um, you know, different parts, and they also have the, not only the talent to do it and the knowledge to do it, but they also have the tools to do it. But I'm going to make this a little bit more generic and um, talk more about what I always hear described as the average shooter, which is someone that is you know capable of doing some some um, minor things. Depending on the trigger, they might be able to adjust the trigger. They're going to be able to mount their own scope. Um, you know, if it's if it's um, a fairly simple barrel change system, something like a 1022 or maybe the CZs, something along those lines, then uh, you know the 455s or 457s, they can do those things. So, you know, talking about the modifications that you can make to those rifles, again. So much of that really does revolve specifically around the rifle that you're looking to purchase. And a good example, you can go out and I'll pick um, the easiest one of the group to talk about modifying because it's, I, I believe I'm correct in this, it is more than likely the most, um, the one of the most popular rimfire rifles to ever be produced, but it's also one that starts out incredibly inexpensive and very quickly can become very, very expensive. Um, but you can also do every bit of it at home with some simple tools, nothing else. And that's the, the Ruger 1022. So you could take, you can go to Walmart or any big box store. I'd prefer you didn't go there. I'd prefer you go to your local shop, um, local shop that's going to be there to help you uh, with your, your purchase. 
and a local shop that is going to be there to help you if you have a problem. And also a local shop that is owned by someone local to you. So you're putting some money back into the economy instead of, um, you know, supporting those, those huge chains. Um, and you can pick the chain. It can be Walmart. It can be um, lots of other places. Um, Bass Pro, Cabela's. Uh, I would say Dick's Sporting Goods, but let's face it, nobody that listens to this podcast is shopping at Dick's Sporting Goods, or at least I hope not. Um, but Academy, you know, all those types of places. You can typically buy a Ruger 1022 for a base model, just the very basic uh, birch stock blue model. Probably buy that for around a couple, maybe $200, something like that. And you can take that rifle out and shoot it. And, you know, I've seen some factory rifles that shot pretty well, but we're not talking about shooting that factory rifle. We're talking about, should we buy it or should we build it? And so a comparison to the, uh, the Ruger 1022 that you can build up is you could buy kid innovations, um, complete rifle, a classic or a super grade, or you could buy a rifle, um, a Valkortsen model. And, you know, they, they have both kid and Valkortsen have multiple offerings depending on what you're looking for, whether you want something that's uh, a heavyweight rifle that you're going to shoot mostly from prone or from the bench, or you're looking for a lightweight rifle, something you're going to use for steel challenge and maybe some hunting in either way, you know, in either, either option there, you, you can build that rifle or you can buy the rifle. So if you go with that base model, Ruger 1022, and then you're going to add a great um, barrel. Well, if you're going the lightweight route, there's a number of options out there. Everything from Kid and Volkhorsen to Whistlepig and uh, Tactical Solutions. Taxol barrels are, are great. Um, and then there's there's others, I'm sure, that I'm, I'm missing. If you're going the heavy route, again, there's Kid. There's Volkhorsen. There's also... Um, you know, some, some inexpensive ones. Some, a couple that come to mind would be maybe, um, like Butler Creek or Green Mountain, some of those, but ultimately you can go, um, those routes, but you can also go with some really high end, uh, manufacturers. Some great examples there would be, um, outside of Kid and Evol Quartzen, of course, you could get a barrel from Bartlin or, you could go the route of uh, Lilja. There's just so many options out there. Now, in either case, it's very easy for you to take that $200 rifle and spend anywhere from $350. Now, you can definitely go cheaper than that. But if we're, if we're going to compare the rifle that we're building, if we're going to compare that to the rifle that we're buying, Again, Kid or Valkorsen, definitely we're going to buy a better barrel, right? So that better barrel is going to cost somewhere between eh, $350 to maybe $500. 
Now, the great thing about buying a barrel, like the um, any of those, Kid, Falkortson, um, Bartlin, Lilja, any of those, the great thing about buying those barrels is they're going to drop right in. I mean, you're going to loosen the two screws on the, the V-block. You're going to loosen those screws, pop the, the current factory barrel off. You're going to pop the new barrel right in. And um, then from there, tighten up the V-block, and you're pretty much set. But, again, we've taken this $200 1022, and now we put a, let's just call it middle of the road, and we'll say $400 um, barrel. And again, I know you can go a little bit less, but I also know you can go a lot more expensive. So we're just going to try to pick middle of the road. So now we have basically a minimum of $600. And I know I'm going to have some people that are going to be like, Chris, where are you finding a, a 1022 for $200? Uh, they're out there. The holidays are coming up. I'm sure there'll be some big box stores and some different places like that doing some sales. Uh, keep an eye on your local shops. They'll probably have a few sales as well uh, if they can. But now we have $400 in a barrel on a $200 rifle. Okay, so now we're at $600 on this factory gun. Well, a barrel is a huge part of the puzzle, for sure. But what's equally important for that uh, What's equally important for you, oops, sorry, hit the alarm there. So what's equally important on those, uh, those rifles is of course, we've got to have a great, uh, got to have a great trigger because that's what you're going to get whenever you're getting a, a quality rifle like a Valkortsen or a kid, you're going to have an outstanding trigger. So of course, you're going to need to have an outstanding trigger with your factory rifle. Well, triggers are, are um, a little different. Some people want more of a hunting style trigger and are more comfortable with something that's a little heavier, but they want something that's crisp and clean and doesn't have a lot of creep or uh, over travel. They're not looking for something that's very gritty, um, but something that's very smooth and and as the saying goes, breaks like glass. Well, as far as triggers go, I guess they really start with the uh, the Ruger aftermarket option, which is the BX25. I believe that's right. And if I, it's a BX model. I know that. Um, but those triggers are definitely not uh, match grade by any any definition, but they are quite serviceable. I actually have them in a couple of uh, 1022 rifles and, well, actually a 1022 rifle and then a charger, a uh, little charger pistol that I, I've done some work with. But the reason I mention those is they're perfectly serviceable and for a lot of shooters, they will do just fine. They're not going to give you the um, this incredible trigger pull down into the ounces, uh, that's not really what they're designed to do. What they will do, however, is they'll get that trigger pull down into the 
two pound, two and a quarter pound, maybe two, uh, two and a half pound range, which for a lot of folks is perfectly acceptable. Those triggers, I think the MSRP is around 69 or $89, but I see them on sale a lot of times online for anywhere from uh, around 50 uh, 45 to $50. So I feel confident you can probably pick one of those up, you know, down in that, that price range. So, uh, for the, for this exercise, uh, we're going to use $50 as the cost on those, because I'm going to assume that you're a bargain shopper and you're looking for the best deals that you can find. So now we have 200 in a rifle, $400 in a, um, barrel. We've got another $50 in a trigger. So now we've got 650 tied up. Well, another part of the, uh, you know, when you're buying a custom rifle, whether it's a kid or a Valkorsen, another part of that is you're getting a uh, machined receiver. Uh, something that has a scoped rail uh, already built in or actually machined into it. And you're also getting a, a much, um, or I guess you could say a custom bolt for the rifle instead of the factory bolt that comes in the standard 1022. Now, here's the question, Chris, do... And this is the question I, I, I've been asked multiple times. Basically, Chris, should I go and buy a, um, a, a new bolt or should I just use the one that I already have? I mean, is there anything wrong with the one that comes from the factory? And, you know, <laughs> it's... Um, it's the questions like this that can get you in trouble or at least can get me in trouble because uh, I can go in a dozen different directions as far as what my thoughts are. And ultimately as anyone who has ever asked this question, especially on any type of a public forum, um, it could be the rimfire tactical Facebook group. It could be another, um, uh, Facebook group or an online uh, gun forum, you know, in the Rimfire world, Rimfire Central is probably the, the biggest, um, it's the biggest Rimfire site that I can think of. Uh, there are a few others that are definitely out there um, that are more specifically geared towards certain types of shooting. Um, you know, there's some that are, are geared more towards bench rest, others that are more geared towards uh, silhouette, different things like that. But in either case, you know, the whole purpose of, of my, my comments here, or, and, and I guess you could say the whole reason that I'm spending so much time talking about this particular part is because there is definitely a hundred different ways that you can go with something like this. Um, you can absolutely uh, say it's an unnecessary expense. You can also say it is by far and away. Um, not only is it necessary, but it's critical. Um, I've heard these conversations take place way too many times. So 
if you were to upgrade the the um, the bolt and everything, you know what you're going to run into there is you're gonna you're gonna spend some, frankly, not a lot of money, but you're still spending money, and you know those are it's just something else to think about. So, are you going to just replace the the bolt? Are you going to uh, replace the the entire um, system? What is it that you're, you're looking to do? Well, I can tell you that I've never met someone, at least so far, and somebody could absolutely, you know, prove me wrong on this. But so far, I haven't had anyone that has you know, replaced their factory bolt and complained about it. Is that to say it can't happen? Absolutely not. But, you know, I'm going to assume that if we're, you know, comparing building a rifle compared to buying that rifle, I'm going to just go ahead. Actually, I'm going to backtrack a little bit on the trigger. I'm going to say we're not going to spend 50 bucks on the trigger. We're going to go ahead and we're going to to do it right, and we're going to buy a trigger that is comparable to what would come in. You know, maybe it's the kid. Um, let's just talk about the kid trigger. Those tend to be the ones that I hear the most about by far, and uh, frankly, it's the ones that I like the most. So, if if we're talking, you know, replacing a factory trigger with a, I don't know, some people prefer to go with a single stage, some want a two stage, you know, there's really no shortage of options there, but let's just say that you're going to, you know, replace the entire, entire kit, maybe a quality two stage, okay, when you buy that from, whether you go the single stage, uh, with kid, I just pulled it up on their website actually because I want to make sure I'm telling you correctly. So it's two hundred dollars on a a single stage or uh, two hundred and ninety dollars on a uh, two stage. So let's just split the difference. We're going to call it two fifty. So now we've got a two hundred dollar rifle with a two hundred fifty dollar trigger, a four hundred dollar bolt. We're at eight fifty in the rifle, and now we're talking about replacing the bolt with, or I'm sorry, um, we've replaced the, the trigger, the barrel. Um, what we haven't done yet is what I was talking about before. If we go in and we use the Volkortsen bolt, and actually we could even use one from Kid, but to give you an idea, you're going to spend another Two hundred and fifty to two hundred and seventy-five dollars minimum. Um, if you're going with the Valkortsen, if you're going with a complete bolt through Kid, you're going to spend um, about the same. So, again, let's let's lowball a little bit. Let's say that we find some type of a sale and we have two hundred. $50 tied up in the bolt. So keep up with the math on me. 
$200 rifle, $400 sco or barrel. So now we're at $600. We've got $250 tied up in the trigger. Now we're at $850. Another $250 tied up in the bolt. So now we're at um, $250 plus $850. So now we're at $1,100. We have $1,100 tied up in this rifle. We still haven't found or we still haven't replaced the stock. Now, when it comes to the stocks, you know, the sky's the limit on those and everyone has their own preferences, their own, uh, their own ideas about what they want, whether it's something as simple as a basic Hogue overmolded stock, which if I'm not mistaken, I believe you can still buy complete rifles from Kid and Von Corson with the Hogue on there. But at the same time, you know, you may want a McMillan stock. You may want something from Manners. You may want to use uh, the really popular uh, Victor Company uh, Titan stock. Those are fantastic. Um, you may want to drop your, um, you, may, you may want to drop this rifle into a chassis. There's no shortage of chassis that are available for the 1022 um, rifles. But ultimately, regardless of what you're dropping it into, you know, that's something if you're buying a complete rifle, it's going to already include. So let's go with not the most expensive. Let's, let's talk about something that is definitely not the most expensive by any stretch. Um, but maybe, you know, you're going to spend, let's say you're going to spend another 250 on a stock or chassis. So now we're up to 1350 on this rifle. The only thing that's missing, and I started going down this route before and then uh, got sidetracked. But the only thing that's missing is that with a Malkorson or a kid, and for that matter, um, even tactical solutions, uh, the attack saw rifles, multiple rifles. One of the things that's also going to be included in that is that machined receiver, which has the built-in scope rail. But with Ruger, it's not. That receiver is actually stamped aluminum, uh, or actually not even stamped aluminum anymore. Now it's, um, uh, if I remember correctly, um, it's more of a, a cast type receiver. So it's not exactly something that is going to give you, um, you know, anything extraordinary by any stretch. It absolutely will work and work just fine, but it is certainly not the, the most um, sought after. But it also isn't going to have a, any kind of a scope rail built in. So you're going to have to buy a scope rail. Now, you can spend as little as 10 or $15 for a Weaver scope rail. Um, but you can also buy something from DI products or EGW or any of a, a dozen different manufacturers. And you can easily spend, you know, 35 to $50 on a rail or as little as probably I'm guessing a, a weaver is probably 10 to $12. So I'm going to go with 50 bucks because I'm keeping the math nice and round, nice and simple. So that's going to get us up to $1,400 that we have invested in this factory 1022. And again, I'm, I'm talking about building this, this rifle to be a, comparable rifle 
to what you would buy if you bought directly from Valkortsen or Kid. Okay. So at this point, we have $1,400 invested. And for that $1,400, we have a factory receiver. We have a great trigger. We have a great barrel. We also have a not only a great barrel and a great trigger, but we have a great bolt to go with it. And, you know, we're getting a, a, a great stock. We're also going to make sure that not only do we have the great stock, but we have, uh, you know, a, a bolt that's an upgraded uh, bolt. So really you have a top of the name, uh, or top of, top of the name, good grief, what a day. You have a top of the line rifle, and you're pretty much set. You know, and the great thing about those parts, and this is where I see building a rifle as a pro, as something that you could absolutely do. You know, you could buy that rifle today. You could order all of those parts in the span of a day or two, or you could also stretch that out over weeks or months or years as you see fit, as you feel like you're, you need, um, you need these, these additional pieces and parts. You, you need those upgrades. You can do any of those things at your leisure and it's not going to have any sort of a negative impact on you at all. So you could absolutely do that. And I know plenty of people who have done it. And actually, I know plenty of people who have done it and spent a lot more money than, than what I've come up with today. I have met quite a few people through the years that took a, back when they bought it, a $99 or a hundred and $25.1022 and turned that rifle into uh, something that they'll have over $2,000 invested in. And if those numbers sound crazy to you, I promise it's I'm not making it up. And you can actually go on to a lot of different gun forums and you'll see thread after thread where people are talking about that very thing, how they've spent so much money and the rifle shoots great, but wow, they spent so much money and um, they just tried to sell it or they just tried to trade it in to a gun shop. And the gun shop said, well, yeah, we see that you've upgraded it some, but it's still a Ruger. So we're going to give you $200 for it or $150 or something like that. So what if instead of going in that direction, you say, you know, I'm just going to save money a little bit longer. I'm going to hold off and I'm going to order the rifle exactly the way that I want it. All right, let's talk about that. So let's say, for example, that your end goal with this rifle is that you want a kid super grade rifle. Well, I'm looking at kids website right now. And you can 
order. You can call kid and order a super grade from them and as I'm looking at it you can choose the color of your receiver you can choose the barrel length the finish the muzzle threading option if you want to thread it or not which trigger you want what trigger pull weight you want um, the magazine release lever you know that's something I didn't even really talk about but um, you know, a lot of people do like to have the extended magazine releases. I feel like it's uh, makes it a little bit easier to drop that magazine. Um, but you know, we didn't really talk about it. But you can buy those things from uh, you know a number of different companies, anywhere from ten dollars up to about fifty bucks. But we're not even going to bother with that right now. But as I'm looking down through here, um, you know, the barrel length. Uh, oh, do you want a muzzle break? Um, some people like those, especially if you're shooting steel challenge so that the timers can hear you. Uh, trigger pull weight, magazine release. What bolt color and finish do you want? Um, the cocking assembly bolt or uh, handle color. Uh, you have all these choices, right? So you can order the rifle with all the things that what you want. And this particular one that's on their website, uh, let's see. The price on it is $1,290. Now that includes a Magpul stock. So if you don't want a Magpul stock and there's a different stock that you would prefer, then you know you may end up paying a little bit more for that. Um, but that is a factory built kid super grade. And the reason that I make a point of uh, mentioning that it is a factory built kid super grade, there's two different reasons actually. The first one has to do with the fact that Kid put that rifle together. And since Kid Innovations put that rifle together, if there's any issues, any questions, any problems, any concerns, Kid is going to be the one to address it because that is a Kid-built rifle. If you speak with anyone who's ever put a Kid barrel into um, a 1022 receiver, you'll you'll quickly hear about how they've had to uh, freeze the barrel, heat the receiver, and lots of different things because that sucker is designed to be in there tight. With kid building the gun, of course, kid's going to pop that in there. and There's no worries. It's all done. So no concern whatsoever. But let's talk about another side of this. So we've got the kid... Um, you know, let's say, Chris, still just not an option for me to, to buy. I want to build it. I'm never going to argue with you on that. I'll tell you pros and cons all day. But I won't argue with you because I've done it. I've done it multiple times. Um, actually, outside of growing up with just a real fascination uh, and joy from shooting 22s, what really took me down the rabbit hole of getting into the precision 22 world the very first uh, rifle and i've talked about this on the podcast before but the very first rifle that just really jumped out and made me think wow look at that that is the coolest thing i wonder if i could build something like that it was a magazine article for the Valcourtson. Um, I believe they called it the Mossad model. 
and they named it after the Israeli Mossad, which is the Israeli Special Forces. And the reason that this was such a big deal, um, uh, not because I could care less about the fact that it was named after the Israeli Special Forces, but I had never seen a 1022 that had been put into a different stock. And oddly enough, uh, the color combo that this gun writer wrote about was just hilarious. But what I remember so vividly was the rifle had been built for a lady. So it was in a pink striped laminate stock uh, with a thumb hole. And I remember it, if I remember correctly, I think the trigger and the bolt were both like neon pink. And it had a fluted barrel, a stainless fluted barrel. And all of the flutes were painted pink. And I, like I said, I don't remember the premise of why this, this guy that was the gun writer was reviewing. He was you know, doing an article on, on the Valkorsen, but ended up with the pink version. But I remember the groups that he wrote about in the article and showed pictures of were phenomenal. And he talked and talked about how great the trigger was. And to that point in time, I did not know that was an option. And for a lot of you people that are listening, you're going to think I'm crazy, but you have to remember, I'm a little bit older. Um, Al Gore hadn't invented the internet yet when I was growing up. So, uh, you know, I grew up at a time when gun magazines were a really big deal. Like, I looked forward to those things coming out every month. But the Valkortsen rifle led me to buying several 1022s and building them up. And like I said, I did that over time uh, as I could afford it, and I got some great rifles out of it. So you'll never hear me tell someone, don't do that, if that's, if that's what you want to do or that's what you need to do. And the reason I say need to do is need can be as simple as you know budget. What does the budget allow? Need can also be um, I need to have something to tinker with. And I'm going to get talk some more about that in just a few. But, you know, those are some of the, the, you know, we've talked about building and the pros. You can do it over time. You can do it um, on a piece-by-piece -piece basis, which will absolutely allow you to take advantages of either sales that happen to take place, or maybe you come across someone who, um, is trying to sell a, you know, a, a Bartland barrel or a kid barrel or whatever. So you can absolutely build over time and do it cheaper than what I just described to you. Because like I said, I've absolutely, um, I've, I've described it as buying everything brand new. Now we've talked about the pros. We've also talked a little bit about the cons. At the end of the day, you have an upgraded 1022 rifle. It's very difficult to get um, the the full value of that rifle out of it if you decide to sell it or trade it. Um, it's always you're always going to lose money, or most of the time you're going to lose money in a scenario like this. But given that particular scenario you stand to lose substantially more, at least on the experience I've seen with different people uh, selling rifles 
that they've done everything to. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. I own a 1022 that I bought a few years ago. The previous owner replaced the barrel with a kid two stage. If I remember correctly, it's eight ounces on each stage. He also replaced the barrel with a, um, a kid barrel. And the rifle shoots phenomenally well. I mean, it shoots almost as well as my kid classic does. What's interesting about it though, is that rifle. I don't know what he paid or how much he had, money he had tied in it, but I can tell you that when he traded it in, I happened to be in the gun shop when it was traded and he got less than $300 on that rifle on trade in. Now, could he have held out and sold it to someone else? Absolutely. But he apparently um, wanted to wanted to move on to whatever it was that he traded the rifle in for. And so he took that deal. He also took a huge loss. Um, you know, so there's, there's different things there. Now, let's talk about, um, you know, that's, that to me is the biggest con. The other con... Um, that I, I have seen and heard before from those who built their own rifles was sometimes you can have all those pieces and parts and have great high quality pieces and parts. And you know, sometimes your rifle may not shoot that well. And that's unfortunately the risk that you take when building. Uh, the assumption is if you're using the best parts you can get, then you should have the best shooting rifle you can get but there are no guarantees. So let's talk about buying the rifle. I mean, we've talked, I've talked for way too long now about building it, but let's talk about buying it. Case in point, Kid Supergrade. Kid Supergrade is one that you hear people talk about all the time. Um, Kid also offers the classic, which is a little bit less, uh, expensive. Uh, Valkorsen offers a number of models. But as we just talked about on the, on the KID website, you can buy a KID Supergrade for just under $1,300. So the pros of doing that, you can decide on Monday that you want to buy a Supergrade. You can place that order and I don't have any idea what KID's uh, delivery times are. But if they happen to have that rifle, um, if they have everything in stock, or actually they may even have that rifle built, they just need to change a trigger or change a stock. You could have that rifle in your hands by potentially by Wednesday. And so you could go from having you know, no 1022s, or maybe you've got several, but instead of building, you decide you want to buy that, uh, that um, quote unquote um top of the line or upgrade or whatever. And with a quick exchange of credit card information, you could have that to you in less than a week. That's a huge pro for a lot of people. The fact that if there are any problems whatsoever, you can immediately get on the phone with them. They're going to have you ship that rifle back and then they're going to uh, figure out the problem and fix it. That's a, another huge pro. So 
that's, you know, fantastic. The fact that if at some point you decide that you want to sell it or trade it or anything along those lines, because it is a kid built rifle, it's going to retain value better than the rifle that gets built. That's just the way it is. So those are some pretty big uh, positives. The negative, well, you know, we talked about how you can easily spend as much or more building up a rifle and make it, you know, basically you're trying to get something that's the equivalent of what you can go out and buy. The negative, the biggest negative, of course, is the cost. And you're, you're shelling out $1,300 on that particular example. You're going to shell out $1,300 right now. And, you know, that's not something that all of us can do. Um, everyone's budget is different. And, you know, for a lot, of, a lot of times, that's just not feasible. But if you can do it, then, wow, you, you just, you know, took the fast lane into um, a really accurate rifle. Well, what's another negative? Well, this second negative is actually the one that I have had the most conversations about in the last little bit. I want to take about five more minutes and just talk about this negative because it's comical in one way and yet very real in another. The, the other negative to buying a rifle like the kid or if you want to talk about bolt actions, maybe it's a, uh, a Seiko or a Sako. Um, gosh, what is it now? The quads, the quad ranges or something like that. Or it's a Cooper or an Anschutz or Anschutz, as I like to say it, because I live in the South. Or the one that you've heard me talk about a lot as well, a Voodoo. What's the negative of buying those rifles? Well, the first one. Is just like the kid. It's the cost. Um, you can take those things, and you know it's not it's not hard to plan out a rifle. Um, you know whether it's a Cooper, an Onshoots, uh, a Voodoo. It's really easy to take the price of those things and go from you know two grand up to five grand in a heartbeat. And I had someone tell me. They were like, Chris, that's ridiculous. Who in the world would spend that kind of money on A22? But let's face it, Anschutz makes a ton of them every single day, as does Cooper. Uh, Voodoo, you know, all those companies, they keep making those rifles every single day because somebody's buying them. The same thing happens for the Valkorsons and the kids, which are priced very similarly. But the conversation is, Okay, even if I'm going to write the check or I'm going to pay the credit card, if I do that, then what's left for me to do? And I had the guy say that, that very statement to me. He's like, well, what's left for me to do? I was like, well, what, what do you mean? You put a scope on it, you take it and you shoot it and you have a blast. And he goes, yeah, but I like to tinker. I mean, like I enjoy tinkering and, and putting things together. And he's like, you know, it's the whole reason I, I reload. He said, I've figured out in my particular case for the rifles that I shoot the most, I don't really uh, save any money with reloading. 
And he said, actually, if I ever put a value on how long it takes me to reload and the brass prep and everything, he's like, I actually probably lose money versus just going and buying great factory ammunition. And he said, and frankly, you know, I, the factory ammo probably shoots every bit as well as my hand loads do. And I know that's not the case for everybody when it comes to hand loading, but, you know, that's his words, not mine. But he said, I love to tinker. And he said, so, and, and what we were talking about in his particular case was we were comparing a 1022 building versus buying. But then we were also talking about bolt guns. And he was asking my opinion about um, the CZs versus the, the Tikas and building those up or just go ahead and pony up the money. And um, as he said, pony up the cash and either buy an shoots or buy a Voodoo. And I have always leaned towards if you can afford it and it's, it's not creating a hardship for you and you're, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's possible to do. I am a huge proponent of buying the best that you can get because I've seen so many people, myself included, that have went the build route ended up with more money invested than if I had just bought the rifle out front and haven't always had the best results. I've seen lots of people buy up parts to upgrade their 1022 and yet at the end of the day be so frustrated that they're selling the pieces and parts off trying to recoup some money because they're taking the back, rifle back to factory uh, with the factory barrel and everything or um, something along those lines and just so they can trade it in or sell it off. And I have never really given it any thought until he said it the way he did, but I do understand where he's coming from. And if you happen to be someone that's in that place where you love to tinker and you love to work on things like that, absolutely, without question, I would tell you a build is a great way to go. The beautiful thing about the build is if you want to build the rifle, you can buy the factory rifle and then upgrade it. You can do the same thing with the CZs like we talked about, um, barrels, triggers, stocks, the whole thing. No different than a 1022. But in either case, my thing is do what works best for you and what you're going to enjoy in that way. It's, it's a pleasant experience the entire way through. So there you go. That's my thoughts on whether to buy it or build it. So remember, go over to the Rimfire Tactical Facebook group. If you're not a member, um, click the link to join. We'll get you in there. And go out, have some fun, go shoot. And just remember, it's not just a 22. See you soon.